Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Go with me to two openings today. Go with me first of, first of all to Romans chapter 10. Hold your place there and then go to Hebrews chapter four. These are a couple of verses that we've looked at the last two Sunday, Sundays and we wanna just go back and, and pick up those verses and then go a little further today. In Hebrews chapter four, verse number 14, it says, seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Let us hold fast our confession. You'll notice that this is not talking about the confession of sin because you wouldn't hold fast to a confession of sin. You'd confess it and then let it go. Isn't that right? No, this is talking about holding fast to the confession of faith in God's word, the confession of the promises of God and whatever he said to you. He said to hold fast to it. There's a reason we have to hold fast to our confession and the reason is circumstances and the opposition of the enemy would, would tempt us to give up that confession and to start saying something contrary to what we know the word of God says. Isn't that right? And then go with me over to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10 and let's look at the other verse that we've looked at uh, so closely. Romans chapter 10, verse number Let's start in verse number eight. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Notice he said this word of faith has to be in your heart and in your mouth. And then he goes on in the next two verses to, to spell this out even a little more clearly. In verse number nine, he says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now this, this verse tells us uh, in a nutshell or very uh, 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 simply how someone is saved. A person is saved by doing two things, speaking something with his mouth and believing something in his heart. Now we usually talk about the believing part. We're always encouraging people when we witness to people to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, that's important. But notice, he, he started with the speaking and then the believing. That's not because one is more important than the other. It just shows us that they're both necessary. He said in verse number nine, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's how people are saved. They're saved because they believe in their heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and then with their mouth, they confess the Lordship of Christ. Now, we pointed this out uh, last Sunday and I, and I really didn't think about it and, and just kind of said it in the pulpit, really hadn't, hadn't uh, thought it through. But then people came up to me after the service and said they so appreciated the way I presented this last Sunday and I just hadn't really thought about it before. Uh, it's not just... This, this is not a legalistic formula. Just like water baptism is not, is, there's not a legalistic formula. You understand? And people get all hung up, some denominations get all hung up on, the, on, the, on having the right baptismal formula. The right baptismal formula never saved anybody. Amen. Water baptism is a type 
of a spiritual transaction that happens in a person's heart when they become a Christian, when they become born again. And so uh, people get all tied up with the terminology. The terminology isn't what's important. The ter- what's important is obeying God and, and following the spiritual principle involved. So when it says confess the Lord Jesus or confess Jesus as Lord, this person said, well, you know, I, I've heard that uh, here and, and, and other places. And he said, it's always kind of made me question my salvation because I don't really remember when I got saved actually saying Jesus is Lord. And I said, well, it wasn't presented that way to me growing up either. In fact, I never even heard about confession growing up except the confession of sin. Nobody ever talked to me about or taught us about confessing Jesus as Lord and saying those words. But I said, inadvertently, when you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you will confess him as Lord because you'll start talking about the Lord Jesus and you'll start talking about how much you love the Lord. Isn't that right? And, and remember what Peter said when Jesus said, who, does, who do men say that I am? He said, well, you know, the disciples said, some say you're Jeremiah or Isaiah, one of the other prophets. Jesus said, who, who do you say that I am? And Peter stood up real boldly and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. That's a confession of the lordship of Jesus. When a person believes on the Lord and says he is Christ, he is my son. When a person says, I take Jesus as my savior, that's confessing his lordship. You're saying Jesus is now my Lord. You don't have to actually say those words, though we like to lead people in those words, you know, just so they don't get tripped up. But I tell you what, the, the, the truth is confessing the Lordship of Jesus is making him Lord with your mouth, saying he is the Lord of my life. I love him. He's the Christ. He's the Savior. He's the Redeemer. He's not just the Redeemer. He's my Redeemer. He's my Savior. And I love him and I give him my all. That's, that is taking on and confessing and embracing the lordship of Jesus. Are you following me? Amen. Amen. But notice both of those things are necessary. It's important what you say as much as it is what you believe in your heart. If you, if you only believe in your heart and yet you never take, make the step and, and make the action of actually confessing the lordship of Jesus, that is with your mouth, making him your Lord, the salvation transaction is not complete. Over in, I think it's in the 12th chapter of John, you can look it up, but it says that that day in Jesus's time, it said many of the Pharisees and the, and the religious leaders believed on him, but then it said, but they would not confess him because of the fear of the Jews. How many of you believe they didn't get anything? Isn't that right? They believed on him, but they didn't confess him. They were ashamed of him. And, and, and to them, it wasn't worth the risk. Well, they didn't get anything. Isn't that right? So just believing is not enough. It's believing and confessing. Then he goes on to explain to us why in verse number 10. For with the heart, one believes under righteousness. And with the mouth, Confession is made unto salvation. Now, believing unto righteousness and confessing unto salvation is talking about the same thing because that's what salvation is, becoming the righteousness of God in Christ. So with the mouth, with the heart, rather, one believes unto salvation or righteousness and with the mouth, confession is made unto righteousness or salvation. 
I like the way the Phillips version renders this, the latter part of verse 10. It says, and it is stating his belief by his own mouth that confirms his salvation. You see, until someone confirms the lordship of Jesus, until they actually take him as their Lord and Savior and make that confession, Jesus really doesn't have any place in their life. Though they may believe in him, he's not Lord until they make him Lord. Isn't that right? So he has no place, he has no dominance in their life. Now, let's look at uh, and, and look at some other examples of why confession and saying the right thing are important. Go with me to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. I want us to look at this maybe a little differently than uh, we've looked at it before. Mark chapter 11. And <clears throat> I want you to notice in, we've, I've already alluded to the fact that Jesus spoke to the fig tree and said, no man eat fruit on you, from you, from this day or forever. And nothing happened to the fig tree that day. But the next day as they passed by, the disciples saw the fig tree withered up. And Peter pointed out and he said, look, master, the fig tree that you cursed has withered away. And so Jesus said to them, verse 22, have faith in God. Now, why would he say that? Why would Jesus say have faith in God in connection with him speaking to the fig tree? It's because faith in God applies in every arena of life. Not just in things that you pray about, but also things that you just talk about. He said, have faith in God, for assuredly I say to you that. He's about to tell us in verse 23 and verse 24 how to have faith in God. Verse 22, he says, have faith in God. And then verse 23, he begins to tell you how. Now notice what he says in verse 23. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, now Jesus was standing there uh, between Bethany and Jerusalem at the time. The Mount of, uh, of Olives was right there. So no doubt that's the, the mountain he was referring to. He might have even motioned with his hand, this mountain. He said, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Notice what, he's telling us to do here. He said, you have to believe in your heart that those things you say will be done. One Greek scholar analyzing this closely, he said what Jesus said is that you must believe that those things you say are coming to pass. Those things, you have to believe those things you say come to pass. In other words, you have to believe in your speaking. 
Whoever shall say to this mountain, of course, we understand he wasn't recommending that we go out and actually move mountains because he didn't. Nobody else did. So it's, 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 it's figuratively speaking, whatever the mountain is in your life, whatever the problem is in your life, whatever the difficulty, whatever it is that stands in between you and, and you fulfilling your God-inspired uh, and God-given uh, destiny and future, whatever stands between you and the victory and the blessing that the Word of God affords you. There are times in life you have to speak to things. And to be a successful Christian, you have to learn to use your words. You have to learn the power of your words. But before you will ever experience the power of your words, you have to begin to believe in your words. Whoever says, he said to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart. Remember what it said in Romans 10, for with the heart one believes and with the mouth confession is made unto he said, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes. Believes where? In his heart. What does he believe? He believes that those things which he says come to pass. You'll never believe that those things you speak come to pass if you're always speaking things you ought not speak. If you're always speaking doubt and unbelief and failure, if you're always saying what the circumstances say, if you're always agreeing with the doubts that come to your mind and, 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 and what it looks like in life, when you then try to change and believe something else and say something else, you won't have any confidence in what you say. But you start disciplining yourself. Start it now. Start it young in life or else start it old in life. But start it. That wasn't a slip. I intended to say it that way. Start young in life or start late in life. It doesn't matter. Start it. Start using your words and start believing that the things you say come to pass. If you'll start disciplining yourself to, to, to put a watch on your mouth, so to speak, to guard your mouth and say the things that you want to come to pass, you will begin to, to develop a confidence in your words. And your, and your confidence will be based on this scripture. Another place, Jesus said, if you have faith, again, it's all about, this is how faith works. Jesus said in Matthew somewhere, he said, 20th chapter, I think, he said, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, well, if you're a Christian, you have greater faith than that. I mean, if you're a Christian, you are a believer. You already know what faith is. He said, if you have faith as a, as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say to this mulberry tree, be plucked up by the roots and be cast into the sea. And, he, and then he said, and if you believe that, you say that, it will obey you. 
So you'll develop a confidence in your speaking that what you say comes to pass because that's a principle of faith. You're believing something in your heart and you're saying it with your mouth and those two things are what cause the transaction of faith to work. Now, of course, you have to say things that are consistent with the word of God. You can't just go out willy-nilly, you know, just, just saying all kinds of things, claiming, you know, extreme ridiculous things that are not in the Bible. But anything that's in the word of God that's consistent with God's will for a Christian's life, anything that the Bible says belongs to you or anything the Bible says you shouldn't have, you can speak those things and command them to leave and you can speak things to demand and command them to come to you. Whoever says, and just fill in the blank, to this whatever you need in your life or you don't need in your life. Whoever says and believes in his heart that those things he says comes to pass, he will have whatever he says. Somebody said to me last week after service, they said, oh, Pastor, I just so appreciate you, you teaching on this. It's really got me stirred up. We're, we're not doing enough talking. We're not doing enough speaking. She said, I told my husband, we've got to, do, we've got to start doing more speaking. I remember Brother Hagan years ago, he said that uh, he was studying one day just in, in between services. He was in a church somewhere holding a meeting and in the afternoon he was just kind of sitting in the floor you know, and just, just reading the scriptures and just kind of meditating and being real quiet and he hadn't even thought about it. And he said the Spirit of God spoke to him and said, have you ever noticed in, in Mark eleven twenty three that I, the Lord's talking and he said that I, I, I talk about believing one time but I talk about speaking three times. And Brother Hagin said, he just answered right out loud, no, Lord, I never noticed that. So he got his Bible, and I don't know if he was looking at that verse or someplace else, but he turned to it, and uh, he said, I never had noticed that. And if you look at it, that's exactly the truth. Whosoever shall say, that's one time, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe, that's one time. Those things that he saith, that's two times, he shall have whatsoever he saith. I've got, a, I've got a photo on my desk or on, my, on a uh, table in my office of Brother Hagin standing in, it's in actually in Scott Webb's church. And he, was, and he was teaching on that. He's got three fingers up and one finger up. That's what he was teaching on. And uh, he said, you're gonna, and then the Lord said, you're gonna have to do three times as much teaching on the saying as you are on the believing because Christians are not missing it, he said, in their believing, they're missing it in their saying. So you're going to have to do three times as much teaching on the saying. Whoever, he said, will say, will not doubt in his heart, but will believe that those things he says will come to pass. He will have what he says. Now that's future tense. Whoever, I like to read it this way. Whoever says that those, and believes in his heart that those things he says comes to pass. See, when I, when, when I say something, I'm not expecting it to come to pass in the future. I'm, ex I'm saying it comes to pass now. It comes to pass when I say it. Now, the, the, the manifestation might be future. I will have it, but I believe it comes to pass when I say it. 
Because God's word is, is supernatural. And when I speak the word of God or speak in line with the word of God, believing something in my heart, just like, it's, just like with salvation, it happens right then. It happens right then. Now the effect of it might show up later. Sometimes it takes a little longer. Sometimes it doesn't take as long. But it'll show up if you, if you believe those things you say come to pass. And you, can, you might not be there today. You might not be quite at that place. Practice that. Practice saying what you believe and believe that what you say comes to pass. You start doing that, I tell you what, you'll stop saying a lot of things you're saying. You won't be making these little funny little remarks that people just say they're full of doubt and unbelief. You won't be able to talk like that any longer. I tell you what, the Bible says in, in Proverbs chapter uh, 18 that death and life are in the power of the tongue. You learn that your words are very, very important. Amen. Well, let's go on down to verse 24. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, he said, believe that you receive them. Don't, he didn't say believe you will receive them. He said, when you pray, believe you receive them. So when do you believe you receive them? When you pray. Right then is when you believe you receive them what you've prayed for. Then he says, and you will have them. See, that's, that's almost exactly what he said in the latter part of verse 23. And they will come to pass. Or, or rather, he will have whatever he says. That's future tense. Here, in verse 24, and you will have them. That's future tense. See, the the the... Uh, the thing that trips a lot of people up is they don't want to say they have it or even believe they have it until they see it. That's not what he said do. He said, when you pray, when there's still no evidence that you have it, when there's no evidence that anything has happened, that's when you believe you receive it. Now, I'm going to say something. When you genuinely believe you receive it, you will say it. If you're not saying it, you're not yet believing it. Amen. Somebody said it this way. I think it was Brother Hagin. He said, faith works by praying or by saying. You can just say it on the, on the basis of, of verse 23. You can just say it. Some things you don't have to pray about. You get in the habit of just saying certain things. Believing in your heart and just saying it, that it comes to pass. Believing it comes to pass. He said, you'll have them. But then verse 24 talks about prayer. Whatever things you desire when you pray, believe you receive them and, and you will have them. So it works either by saying or by praying, but when you pray it, you still have to say it. Because if you're not saying it, you're not believing it. Amen. I, I told you a uh, 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 about two and a half years ago about breaking my foot. Remember I, I broke my heel? I jumped in the pool one day and, and in the shallow end and in a hard plaster pool and I landed on my heel and, and broke that little bone that's right on the bottom of your heel. 
oh, that hurt so bad. I, you know, I didn't know I'd broken it, and I jumped out. You know, you know what you do when you're, you know, 25, 30, you just jump out and say, I'll just walk this out, you know. This hurts, but I'll just walk it out. You know, it'll, it'll quit hurting after a while. It just got worse, you know. And, uh, you know, I, I limped around. I couldn't put, if I put my, all of my weight on, I just, I couldn't. I couldn't even make myself do it. It hurts so bad. And so I'm limping around. I'm walking on my ball of my foot, you know, and just, and uh, so finally, I, after, I don't know, two or three days of this, I don't know how, how many days it was now, I went to the doctor and he x-rayed it and that little bone right on the bottom of your heel, it, the x-ray showed it was just cracked completely in two. It was just there, you know. And uh, so he gave me this special boot, you know, to wear that, you know, kind of takes the pressure, supposed to take the pressure off your heel, kind of rocks your foot when you walk. It didn't help at all. It was just as painful walking with that as it was without it. And, uh, and so I just said, well, this is not helping me at all. It's just as painful, you know, and, and besides it's annoying, you know, so I took it off. And, and, I, and I walked around that for a couple, like that for a couple of days and, oh, that thing hurt. Every, I mean, I, I just have to walk on the, on the ball of my foot and just walk real easy. If I, if I even tried to put any weight on it, it would almost pass out. And, and then finally I said, you know what? I can keep walking around like this for several weeks and eventually this will heal sufficiently that the pain will go away and I can start walking on it. I said, but you know, that won't bring honor to God. I, 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 want, I, want, my, I want my healing now. I want a supernatural healing. I don't want a natural healing. Natural healing is fine. Thank God he created our body to mend itself. But I want a supernatural healing. So I had to make up my mind what I was going to believe and what I was going to say. So I stood right there in the middle of the, of the floor and I said, I believe I receive complete healing of this heel and of this bone right now in the name of Jesus and I declare I am healed. Well, if you are healed, you don't walk like this. If, if, you, if you believe what you say comes to pass. I said, I believe what I say comes to pass right now. I am healed. What are you going to do? Tiptoe through the tulips the rest of the week? <laughs> I had to steel myself, grit my teeth, and do my best to walk normal. Now, I, I'll be honest with you. I couldn't completely do it. It hurt so bad I could not make myself to put all my weight on that foot. But I did the best I could to just walk, you know. I put my shoes on that morning, did it in the morning, put my shoes on, went to work. I'm walking like this. Every time I walked, I mean, I, I just, I, like I said, I couldn't completely put that heel on the ground, but I was doing the best I could. I'm healed, glory to God. And I went to work, you know, and was in the office. And some, at some point midday, I realized a minute. I haven't been walking like that. I'm walking normal. And, and the pain was completely gone. Now you say, well, you know, natural healing. That wasn't natural healing. This past week, I developed a, a soreness in my left foot across the top, the bones of the top of my foot. I don't know what it was. Didn't go to the doctor. You've probably noticed me limping around the house, haven't you? Walking I've been walking like this. I've done it in the office. I don't know if anybody's noticed it, but I've walked. Have you noticed that? Walking like that? I don't know what was wrong with my foot. It just hurt so bad right across the, right across the, 
the bones of the top of my left foot. And, uh, you know, I, I believe I'm healed in Jesus' name. But then about, what's Sunday? Sorry. Thursday, I think. I said, wait a minute, what am I doing? I'm not believing what I say comes to pass now. No, I said, I'm not, I'm not having a sore foot because Jesus bore sore feet for me. God made his feet sore for me. So I'm not having this. So I did the same thing. I said, all right, praise God. I am not limping on this foot. I am not gonna favor. See, I was favoring it. You know what I'm saying? Because it hurt. And come into the office, you know, and walking like this, you know. So I'm not doing it. Now, it didn't hurt as bad as the heel. Don't misunderstand me. It wasn't like that. But it was still really sore. And I had to make myself just walk normal. Nope, I am not going to favor this. I believe those things I say come to pass the minute I say it. And so I started doing it. By the end of the day, the pain was all gone. It had been hurting for several days. By the end of the day, the pain was all gone. Hasn't been back since. See, you have, to, you have to get in the habit of believing that what you say comes to pass right then. If you're, if you're willing to wait, the devil will wait you out. He'll wait you out. If you're willing to put up with symptoms, he'll, he'll wait you out. There comes a time when you have to say, I'm not having this because I know what this is. And I believe this more than I do this. I believe this is a greater reality than anything my body can tell me, anything I feel, anything I see. This is the truth. My foot was factual. It was a fact my heel was broken. But facts are one thing and truth is something else. Truth always supersedes facts. It doesn't mean that facts aren't facts. My, I've still got the x-ray. I made sure I brought the x-ray home. I wanted to print of it because I knew what was going to happen. I knew I was going to get my healing. But I put up with it for a couple of days before I did. But the fact had to bow to the truth. Amen. What are you saying? What are you saying in life? Are you going through life and just saying whatever you feel? Well, hallelujah. Go with me real quick to Numbers 13. Numbers 13. God had delivered the children of Israel out of Egypt. And... Because of disobedience, Moses was not able to go into the promised land with them. They were still in the wilderness. And they'd wandered in the wilderness for 40 years because of the disobedience of, of that generation. But now the time had come for the children of Israel to go on in and take the land. Well, uh, Moses went up on a mountain. Nobody ever saw him again. I don't know what happened to him. The, 
the demons are still arguing about what happened to him. But he went up on the mountain and disappeared up there. Nobody, nobody knew what happened to him. And before he went up there, he laid his hands on Joshua. He said, Joshua, now you take the children of Israel into the, to, to the promised land. So, you know, he, 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 uh, before he left, he sent some spies out into the promised land. Told them to go out, you know, and, and uh, see what was over there. And so Joshua was one of those, so there, was 12, there were 12 spies. Joshua and Caleb were two of the spies and there were 10 others. So Moses sent them out and he said, now you go out and you, you spy out the land. So they went over to the land of Canaan and they came back with this big, I mean, they had huge uh, clusters of grapes and fruit and all of the, of the, of the produce of the, of the land. They came back and said, look, the land is flowing with milk and honey. And, but there was a problem. 10 of the spies said there were giants in the land and, and we're not able to, uh, to go in and take the land. And uh, it says that, we won't read all of it, but it says the children of Israel started crying about it. The spies says that the land will swallow us up. We're not able to go in and take the land. We're not able to defeat the enemies. And Joshua and Caleb stood up and said, wait a minute, we're well able to go in and take the land. He says in chapter 14, Joshua the son of Nun, Nun and Caleb, they, they went out and tore their clothes and spoke to the congregation of the children of Israel saying, the land we passed through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord nor fear the people of the land for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. They said, we're able, we're well able to go up and take the land. Well, because the, the, the congregation agreed with the 10, they had to stay in the wilderness for that 40 years because of their unbelief. And so the ones who said, we can't do it, didn't do it. The 10 spies said, we can't, and they didn't. Joshua and Caleb said we can and they did. Now they had to stay for, for 40 years in the wilderness but when the time came for them to go in and take the land, Joshua is the one that led them over and they defeated every enemy that they, that they confronted. And when they finally got there, there's so much scripture we didn't have time to read it today, but when, we finally got, when they finally got to Jericho, you know, they surrounded the city and the walls fell down flat. The people of Jericho said, the fear of the, of the children of Israel has been upon us for all of these years. So here the, here the children of Israel in their doubt and unbelief stayed in the wilderness for 40 years and their enemy were, was shaking in their boots.
the enemy was afraid of them. Then the enemy said, oh no, we've heard what God, the God of Israel did to, to everybody else that they've, that they've confronted and now they're on our doorsteps. They're trembling in their boots and the children of Israel, because of their unbelief, because of listening to the 10 spies, they're on the other side saying, well, they'll just eat us up and spit us out. The 10 spies said they couldn't and they didn't. But Joshua and Caleb said we can and they did. It took them 40 years, but they went over and they laid siege to the land and they took the whole land. Glory to God. You see, the enemy will tell you you can't. It matters what you say. The 10 spies and the, and the rest of the, of, the, of the nation of Israel that agreed with them said with their mouth, we can't do it. And they got exactly what they said. Jo, uh, uh, Joshua and Caleb said with their mouth, we can do it. We can do it. But there were two lone, lone voices. But eventually the children of Israel went over and they got exactly what they said. It took another generation rising up. We'll see God is, ra is raising up a generation today of believers who will part company with the unbelief of the past and say we can do everything God says we can do. We can have everything God says we can have. We can take in, we can go in and possess the full land. We can, we can have our healing. We can, we can not, just, not just salvation, not just the new birth, but we can have everything that goes with it. Our healing, our, our, our prosperity, our peace. The authority that belongs to us over our families, over our lives, over our, over our nation, we can have what we say if we believe what we say comes to pass. And that's the generation God is raising up. I tell you what, the devil has fought the message of faith and the speaking of faith, the confession of faith. He's fought it. This message gained a lot of traction in the 1970s in particular and on into the 80s. But the devil sidetracked it, first of all, he, he, he mocked it. People would mock this message of faith. They said, well, that's, those are those name it and blame it people. Name it and claim it. Not name it and claim it. Glab, blab it and grab it. Got my words twisted. Name it and claim it, blab it and grab it. And a lot of people backed off. Just just made me want to say it more. I, I started saying, yep, I'm a name it and claim it guy. I'm a blab it and grab it. I'm going to blab and grab everything the word says I can have. Praise God. I'm going to claim everything I, I can find. Well, it took some time for this to mature and some people have fallen completely away. People who used to believe and practice faith no longer practice it. It's not popular today. But I'm telling you, the, the message of faith and the power, not just the message, but the truth and the practice of faith is the only thing that will enable the church to go in and take everything that belongs to us.
Glory to God. Hallelujah. We're going to do it. Amen. Start where you live. Start where you live. You know, there's a, there's a saying that sometimes you see on a bumper sticker or something or a window sticker. And it says, if I can get this right, it says, think globally, act locally. You ever seen those stickers? You ever heard that saying? Anybody? What that means is all politics are local. If you want to affect the world, start where you are. Well, if we're going to affect the world, we have to start where we are. Run the devil out of your house. Run the devil out of your financial affairs. Run the devil out of your body. Get in the habit of saying what you believe in your heart, knowing of a certainty that Jesus said, if you believe it, you'll have what you say. Glory to God. Well, amen. We're, we're not going to collectively as the church do something we're not going to do individually. Amen. If it's not working in our homes, it's not going to work in our churches. Oh, glory. Like Dr. Dufresne always. <laughs> you got to have it working in your house. And, and, and when I say in your house, start with your own body and your own personal house. Amen. You know, amen. amen. Glory to God. God wants us well. Amen. He wants us to have abundance. Amen. I, the, the covenant that God gave us in Christ affords us everything that pertains to life and godliness. You, you lay hold of it with the words of your mouth. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Let's stand up. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Mm. My goodness. The people in Canaan were afraid. Oh, yeah, their walls, their cities looked impressive, fortified. But inside they were quaking in their boots, shaking in their boots. You know the devil's afraid of you? He's afraid of you. The devil is afraid of you. You say, well, I don't know why he would be. I'm afraid of him. No, he's afraid of you. Because he knows if you get this message of faith down on the inside of you and actually put it to, to work and actually practice it, his days of dominating you are over. Sickness is over. Defeat in life is over. Amen. If you could see in the realm of the spirit when doubt trouble comes your way and you, you just know like, like uh, the Davenport's were telling us this morning you know, it, it, you know on the phone that 
You know, the enemy's just trying to get them to doubt. Yeah, he is. He's, he's, he's trying to get them to doubt. And the whole time he's shaking and trembling, afraid that they won't. Glory to God. Amen. Shaking and afraid they won't doubt. When the pressure's on, you feel that pressure, just realize there's a whole lot more pressure on him than there is on you. Because you have the truth. You have God's word for it. Take your stand. Square your shoulders. Wipe your tears. Whatever you have to do. Stop limping. Amen. Stop limping. Go through life. Glory to God. Like, See, see some people say, well, I, 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 don't, I don't feel right saying I have something that I don't really have because that's like I'm lying. If you're, if you're saying it because you're trying to impress somebody, or based on what you see, that wouldn't be right. But if you're saying what the word of God says based on the fact that God said it, as a matter of faith, you're not lying. The symptom's lying. The devil is lying. Amen. Some people, you know, you, you talk to them and how you doing today? Well, you know, I'm doing. How you doing today? Well, I'm doing. How's it going? Well, it's going. You might as well just sit down. Build your little campfire. And just say, come on, devil and demons, just sit around. Let's roast marshmallows together. Some people come to church and got a long face because they want everybody to pet them. Want everybody to know they're going through a test and a trial. They're going through a hard time. And if you talk to them more than about a second, they'll tell you how difficult it's been, how hard it's been. I know this comes across as being, well, you, you know, that's just hard and not carry. I'm telling you, you can stay, as long as you do that, you'll stay in that. And I care enough to tell you that. You pet yourself and come in here and want other people to feel sorry for you and, and to pet you and to know how much trouble you're going through and all of that, you will never walk in victory. My, my wife told you on Wednesday night, she went through a period of time where she was the pastor's wife. She would sit on the platform and just feel so miserable. Like she didn't even belong here. But you didn't see it on her face. I'll tell you this. I went through a period of about two and a half, maybe three years back in the 1980s. I went through a period of, of about two or three years where I didn't sense the anointing of God on me in the pulpit. But about once out of seven or eight times I got up here. I would get up to preach back in the old church. I would get up to preach and it felt like my words went back and hit the back wall and come back and bounced and just hit me right in the head every time I'd get up to preach. Now, I'd, during the week, I'd be all blessed, you know. I'd get in the Word and study and get all excited, get to church, and it was like, it's like I couldn't get words out. And I, 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 I couldn't sense the anointing. I, I felt like if I didn't know better, I don't even know if I'm saved. Now, people would come up to me, and now I, I, I know that a lot of people are just trying to make me feel good. Because they'd come and say, that was, that was really good, Pastor. You really blessed me. And I thought, you're a sweetheart. But you know that was terrible. 
I did that week after week. And I'd go for five or six services like that until I just couldn't bear it anymore. And then we'd have a blowout Holy Ghost service. And I'd get all refreshed, you know, and I'd think, oh, praise God, we got over that. Come back next Sunday and the same thing. I did that for two or three years. But you never saw it on my face. I've told you this before. There were times I'd stand in the pulpit and look over my shoulder. There was a door over there. And I would think, I'm just going to, not even, just in the middle of my message, I'm just going to close my Bible and I'm just going to try and walk out that door. And I'm not even going to tell anybody, dismiss anybody or anything. Just leave them sitting in their ears. And I'm going to go home and get in my car. I'm going to go and get in my car and just drive home. And people are going to say, well, what in the world? Where did he go? That's what I felt like doing. So well, how, why did that have to last two and a half years? I don't know. Maybe it might have been longer than that. I don't know. It was a long time. But the point is, you've got to get to the place in life where you don't allow circumstance to dictate to you how you're going to look, how you're going to behave, what kind of expressions on your face. You're going to stop limping through life and start putting on the Word of God and start acting like it's true and saying that it's true. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.